Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. At GVC, our mission is simple. It's to love God, love people, and love life. This year, we want to reach further into the glory and the presence of our God and experience Him like we never have before. This year is going to be different. Can you feel it? I know you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Here we go. Get into our series this morning, into the message. I'm telling you, we are starting a brand new series called Slaying the Giant. Last week was our first Sunday, or our first message in that series. And uh, it was a wonderful message. And I don't say that to pat myself on the back. I'm saying there were things that were being said that was just by the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And man, it was good. And so I'm trusting that God is going to continue to speak with us today. Because right now, in this season, there is a giant that is trying to overtake and overcome the people of God. And we've got to learn how to slay the giant. And the giant is the giant of fear. And so I hope that you're going to continue to stay with us uh, throughout the next couple weeks and just, just going further in this opportunity of being equipped to slay the giant. Amen? Amen. Well, you know, just to, to get us started this morning, uh, I was reminded of my son just in the last couple of weeks. Um, we have Netflix. I don't know if you have some of those online subscriptions, but we have Netflix. And so my son and I, we were just watching TV one night and turned the Netflix on. And it was probably about, I don't know, 8 o'clock or so. And uh, my son, he'll go to bed maybe 8, 30, 9 o'clock, somewhere in that time frame. So it was just before he was getting ready to go to bed. And so as we're flipping through the, the you know, options there on Netflix, there was the show or the movie Green Lantern. You know, it's the uh, superhero movie. Now, we've never seen it, and so I didn't really know nothing about it. And so he said, hey, Dad, can we, can we watch that movie? And so I'm thinking, well, it's just like any other superhero movie that's on. I said, okay, well, well, we'll turn it on. And so we started to watch it. Now, forgive me, because I wasn't necessarily paying attention. I thought, well, I'm turning it on for my son. And so I wasn't really paying attention. So forgive me if I get the introduction wrong, but it's something of this, uh, uh, in this line of thinking. So the, the credits began to start. The movie begins to proceed. And so it starts to tell the origin of the Green Lanterns, of the superheroes. But then it starts to get into the place where it's starting to talk about the evil villain and where he got his origin from. And so as it's playing out on the screen, all of a sudden the music, as it starts to talk about the villain and where he came from and how he evolved or whatever it was, the music starts to get really intense almost kind of eerie and scary. And then as it's portraying on the TV as to how the evil villain became uh, or came about, it was a little bit unnerving to him and kind of scary to watch. And all of a sudden, I saw my son put his hands over his ears and duck his head and said, nope, 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 not going to watch that. And I said, well, what's up? And he said, nope, nope, not going to watch that. Not before I go to bed. Turn it off. And I'm like, okay, so we turned it off. And so a few days later, it's during the day, daylight, not before he's going to bed. He's like, hey, Dad, can we watch that Green Lantern? And I said, well, I thought you didn't want to watch it. He said, well, no, it's, it's, it's not before bed, so I'm okay right now. And so I asked them the question. I said, well, what's the difference? Now listen to the wisdom of a nine-year-old boy. He said... 
I was getting ready to go to bed. So I didn't want to hear and I didn't want to see that before I went to bed. And I said, well, why is that? He said, because if I went to bed, I would start to think and I would have pictures in my mind that would scare me. And therefore, I said, I am not going to do that just before I go to bed. Did you see the wisdom in a nine-year-old boy? He said, there are some still moments when everything gets quiet in the dark that I have an opportunity for my thoughts to go somewhere and pictures to uh, 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 be presented in my mind that will cause me to be in fear and therefore I choose to take authority or make my own decision to not let that happen. If a nine-year-old boy has enough sense to say, I'm going to guard what I hear and what I see because I don't want to be afraid then let it be a lesson to all of us that have a tendency to get into fear. Can somebody say amen? Amen. He said, I'm not going to let it mess up my mind. Now listen to me. When it comes to the giant of fear, how many of you know that the giant of fear or fear itself cannot hurt you? The only thing that fear has the power to do is paint a picture in your mind. And how many times do we have pictures in our mind of things that have not even happened? Right? I mean, the husband, the wife shows up five or, or is five minutes late and we're thinking, oh, dear, did, dear God, did they get in an accident? Are they okay? Are they dead? What happened? Well, they're just five minutes late. I mean, they could have stopped at the store. They could have got stuck in traffic. But yet you allowed a picture to be painted in your mind to where all of a sudden fear has shown up in your home and it is beginning to control you. Or you get the little lump, the little bump, or the soreness and you're thinking, oh, dear God, what is that? That wasn't there yesterday. It's cancer. Oh, my goodness. I think it's cancer. Do you see how the picture in your mind begins to have power to manipulate you into being in fear? And the thing about it is, is that it begins with a picture. And if you allow the picture to remain in your thought life, then fear begins to develop a voice. Fear does not have a voice until you entertain the pictures in your mind. And so, therefore, we've got to be very strategic in what we hear and what we see because, once again, fear is knocking at the door and the giant is wanting to come and overcome and overtake your life. Now, let me give you a definition of fear and see if this feels or seems accurate to you. You'll see it up on the screen there. But fear defined could be stated this way. Now, fear brings our expectations into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we're afraid of. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. We said to you last week that fear is false evidence appearing real. And it says all that it needs is for you to begin to entertain it and begin to imagine 
that the unseen thing is becoming a reality. Would you say that would be an accurate definition of fear? All right. Now, let me show you a verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. If it's on the screen, take a look at it. It says, Now, faith brings our hopes or expectations into reality and becomes the foundation needed, acquired to, needed to acquire the things we long for if it is the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Did you see that according to God's principle of faith, it is the same principle of fear? It's taking the unseen realities and making them a reality. Right? So therefore, when I have to stand and say, well, I believe that I'm going to heaven. Well, how do you know you're going to heaven? Have you ever been there? Have you ever seen it? Have you ever talked to somebody that has been there and came back? Right? Have you seen pictures? Have you Googled it and been able to take a look at it before you got there? No. We don't know what heaven looks like. But by faith, it is a reality to those of us who have received Christ into our life. And it is a longing that we have. Oh, there's a time that I'm coming and I'm going to be in the presence of God. And not only that, man, God said that he's got a mansion for me. Come on. I'm telling you, bro, you're going to like coming over to my house. Yeah, it's got a golf course. It's got a lake on it. We're going to fish. We're going to golf. We're going to go hunting. I'm telling you, it's going to be, it's, it's loaded, bro. I'm telling you. Right? It's a place that we want to be. But it's something that is a reality because we believe it by faith. Fear is the same thing as faith, just the different direction. You're believing in something that has not become a reality yet, but you're accepting it as truth. All right? So now, with that being said, concerning the enemy, the enemy likes to work in this area of your life. We shared this with you last week. We said that the Bible tells us that Satan is the father of lies. All right, so we said fear is false evidence appearing real. Now, you're going to have to stick with us here because every service is going to be one that builds on the other. So if you missed last week, go listen to it because this this week will piggyback on it and next week will be the same. So we're going to go somewhere, so just stick with us, all right? But once again, when it comes to the enemy, the Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. So listen to what it says here in John chapter 8, verse 44. This is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking to individuals that were not people of faith. And he says, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So we could say it this way, that any time you get into fear, it is the enemy that is bringing from his Well, I could say it this way. Anytime you get into fear, the source of it is the enemy. Now, please understand, there's a difference between anxiety and fear. What do I mean by that? 
Well, if you're, if you're riding, uh, like I, I did, I ride motorcycles. There was a time when we were in South Carolina and you're up in the mountains and there's no guardrails and there's just a, a, a steep cliff over on the side. Well, there's a little bit of nervousness because you're like, whoo, that's kind of unnerving. Now, I could let that get into fear to where it paralyzes me. But I'm saying there's times where you're like, whoo, you know, it just makes you a little anxious a little bit. That's different than getting into fear because the Bible says that fear is tormenting or it continually nags you and it begins to paint the picture in your mind. So once again, in this current culture that we're living in, what has been the trend, it is that we have been constantly hearing and seeing on the news and various advertisements and all kinds of things of just why you need to be so fearful because if you don't get into fear, you're not using wisdom, and therefore if you're not using wisdom, you'll get sick. So what does that do? That puts you in a position to where you're fearful painting pictures in your mind of what the outcome is, and obviously they do a real good job pointing, uh, painting the pictures of the outcome. The person on the ventilator, the person that's at the, 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 the burial site because they lost somebody. And again, I'm not making light of that. My point is, is that fear endeavors to paint pictures in your mind of an unseen reality that has not yet happened. And whenever you get into fear, when fear knocks on your door to it begins to grip and take hold of your life, it is the source of the enemy working in your life. And at some point, you open the door and allow the pictures to take shape and you allow the voice to begin to speak. So we have to learn how to shut the door. We have to learn how to remove the pictures. We need to learn how to quiet the voice and slay the giant of fear. Amen? All right, in regards to just continuing with the, the battle of fear, we shared this last week, but I want to bring it back to your attention because, once again, there's multiple things that we can take out of this that helps us address this. But in Luke chapter 8, verse 22, and we won't take the time to turn there because I'll just paraphrase the story. You know the story if you've read your Bible or if you, you just you know, heard it from a kid. But you recall the Bible tells us of a time... When Jesus is with his disciples, he's wanting to depart and go to the other side. And so therefore, he says to his, his disciples, he says, let's get in the boat and let's go to the other side. And you know the story that as they departed, Jesus went to sleep and rested. And in the midst of their journeys, the Bible says a great storm arose and they were greatly afraid. They woke up Jesus and said to him, Master, don't you care? We're about to die. And then the Bible says that he didn't answer them or address them. He went up to the front of the boat and said, Peace, be still. Now, once again, you would think that he would come back and console them all, you guys. I'm sorry you're so afraid. I was here to, I'm here to comfort you. You know, if you want to have some therapy right now, we can do some therapy. We can do some counseling. No, what did he say? He said, where in the world was your faith? Why did you not have any faith in this situation? And some people would say, dear God, that was hard of Jesus. But the reality is, is that before they ever began, Jesus gave a declaration and a statement that said, let us go to the other side. 
Now, I want to pause for a moment and just kind of take us back to that moment. Because, again, you heard that the disciples were greatly afraid, fearful for death. But when Jesus said to them, let's get in the boat and go to the other side, how many of you know that several of his disciples were professional fishermen? If you're a professional fisherman, you are very aware of the weather. You're very aware of the season and the water. I'm not a professional fisherman. I am a recreational fisherman at best. The amateur of amateurs. But I have learned that you need to pay attention to the weather. Uh, Randy and I, we went out to the bay. Oh, I think it was last year, wasn't it? I th- yeah, we went out to the bay. Now, I didn't know anything about it. I'm just thinking, well, it looks like it's going to be a sunny day. And it looks like the wind is all right. And so we got through the cuts of the channel and got to the open water of the bay. And as soon as we got out there, we're like, nope, (laughs) no, no, and turned around and came back because the water was so rough. Well, what I've learned by that, in fact, for that matter, we were the only people in the parking lot. And immediately I'm like, something's up here. (laughs) If we're the only ones out here, something's wrong. Well, what I found out is that when the wind is coming out of the east, you don't go on the water. And so we got out there, and it's just like, "Uh uh-uh. Well, so my point is this, that as an amateur, I've learned a, a few things of how to go fishing or get on the water or when you do not go on the water. So these were professional fishermen that would have known whether you're supposed to be on the water or not on the water. And if it were so, it would have been recorded in the Bible, but they didn't say a word. So what that leads me to believe is that the birds were singing, the sun was shining, and it looked like a beautiful day to get on the water. And so as they get on the water, they got surprised. And how many of you know that fear, the giant don't show up when everything is falling apart. He shows up on the good days. And he plans the sneak attack. (laughs) You didn't see this one coming, but (laughs) here I am. What do you do? How do you respond? Because it caught me unaware. It caught me off guard. And once again... Fear does not wait for you to be ready. Fear shows up at any given time because he wants to control you. Amen? So once again, there was obviously no sign that there was any kind of storm. But the next thing that we also see concerning this particular story is that we must be grounded in what Jesus says before the storm. There was no storm, no sign of storm before they left, but Jesus said, let's go to the other side. So isn't it easy to say, oh, praise the Lord. God's so good. Oh, Jesus is so faithful. Oh, the Bible is my lifeline. Until the storm shows up. And so what the storm begins to reveal, what it begins to reveal is it reveals whether or not we have a a true grasp of what Jesus has said. Amen? If we are not careful, we'll let our guard down 
in the calm times and we'll let ourselves get, re get relaxed in that which Jesus has spoke to us to continue to help build our faith. We could say it this way, just being aware of what he said is not enough. Let me say that again. Just being aware of what Jesus said is not enough to get you through the storm because we see that concerning the disciples, the disciples were greatly afraid, forgot what he said, and therefore thought they were going to lose their life. Does the storm mean that God doesn't care? Well, we talked about that last week. Because they said, Jesus, don't you care? Well, just because storms show up does not mean that God does not care about you. In fact, let me ask you the question. Do you think God knows the storm that is coming tomorrow? Do you think He knows the storm that is coming next week? Next month, next year? God is the God that knows all things and He knows the storms that are ahead. That doesn't mean that He is going to necessarily rescue you from the storm, but He's there to get you through it. And that means that you've got to be willing to hold on to Him when the storm comes, regardless whether you know it's on its way or not. Amen. So, we could say it this way as well. The storm does not reveal what you do know. All right, let me rephrase that. The storm reveals what you do know, not what you remember. You can remember what Jesus said and still be in unbelief. Now let me give you an example. The disciples. Jesus said right from the very beginning, let us go to the other side. If they were in faith, this is how it would have sounded. Whoa, look at the storm, guys. Whoa, come on, let's hunker down. Let's do what we got to do, naturally speaking. But remember, Jesus said, we're going to the other side. No, don't trouble Jesus. We got this. I, remember what he said. We're going to the other side. And they would have stayed steadfast. But this is how oftentimes it sounds. I said that just because we remember what he said doesn't mean we're in faith. So this is what that looks like. Guys, oh my gosh, we're going to die. <laughs> Where's Jesus right now? I mean, after all, don't you remember what he said? He said we're going to go to the other side, but it don't look like we're going to make it. Jesus, don't you care? Right? They remembered what he said, but there was no faith mixed with it. When you experience difficulties in your marriage, in your body, in your finances, in your mind, you could simply say, God, I know that you said that you would heal my body, you would heal my marriage, you would supply the needs that I have. Or you could say, God, I thought you said you were going to do something about this. Are you, are you catching what I'm saying? You can remember what he said, but it doesn't mean that you're in faith. You can remember what Jesus said, and you can still let the giant of fear dominate your life. So what do we do? What do we do in regards to facing this giant? The question is, is what is the greater reality in our life? Is what he said to you a greater truth and a greater reality than the storm that is upon your life right now. And if you've ever noticed, storms were meant to pass. They are only temporary. 
But the question is, is what is the greater reality, what God said, or the temporary storm that you're experiencing concerning your marriage? I went through a storm before. I'm tired of going through the storm. But did you realize that the storm was temporary? God got you through it, didn't he? He can do it again. Man, I'm tired of being on the yo-yo of finances, struggling, barely getting by. Well, you did get by, didn't you? Well, that means he can get you by the next time. But why don't you just believe God to not just get by, not just to survive, but let's up up the ante and let's begin to thrive instead of just surviving. Amen? Is this helping anybody? And so once again, what becomes the greater reality? Listen to what it says here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I'm going to read it from the Passions Translation. This is one that you're probably familiar with, but notice what it says here. It says, and without faith, or you could say it this way, with fear, it works differently. Without faith, living within us, it would be impossible to please God. Or again, you could say, to be full of fear, it's impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith knowing that He is real and that He rewards the faith of those who passionately seek Him. Let me read it one more time. And without faith, living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith knowing that He is real and that He rewards the faith of those who passionately seek Him. So there's some things there that we've got to dissect, if you will. Because oftentimes what people think or what they, uh, 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 how they face the giant is to say, well, I know what God says. But did you recall that we said it, it's not just remembering what God says that caused you to have victory over the giant. There's something more. Notice what he says. He said... It's impossible to please God without without faith. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see, there are measures of our faith. And there's degrees of faith. And for many, they are in faith, but in faith is only as far as they know or as far as they can go. Because the Bible says, must believe that He is. Well, I believe that God is able. I believe that God is able to calm the storm. I believe that God is able to heal sicknesses. I believe that God is able to take care of financial problems. He's able. He's God. I believe that. But the second part of that is is He's a rewarder. So not only does He have the ability, He's going to do something about it. And that's where people get hung up. Give you an example. I've shared this before, but with my grandfather, several years back in the early 2000s, he was a severe diabetic, just wasn't good with his diet. That'll save you a lot of trouble if you need to just do your diet right, right? But he was horrible at eating sugars and fat, uh, uh, fried food and all that good stuff. Grandma finally got to the point like, whatever, you know, I'm tired of fighting. If he wants it, I'll make it. Okay. Well, He ended up going blind in both eyes. And if that wasn't a wake-up call, he ended up getting gangrene in his right foot. 
And at that time, I was back from Bible college, and so I went up to visit him in the hospital. Now, my grandfather was a man that loved God. He was one of those guys that would just outpraise you anytime. He just looked for an opportunity. And so I went up there and I talked to him, and my heart was really to help minister to him to get him to a place where he could believe and not have to lose his leg because that's what they were saying. It looks as though we're going to have to remove it from the knee down. Ultimately, he lost it from the hip down. And so as I'm talking to my grandfather, I just had my Bible in hand, and I said, Hey, Gramps, I said, I just want to share some scripture with you if that's okay. And he says, Okay, sure. So I just shared some scriptures concerning the, the healing virtue of God and God's will and desire to minister to, to those that are sick. And so after I shared the word a little bit, I said to him, I said, Grandpa, I said, Now, do you believe that God is able to heal you of this gangrene? And he's like, Oh, praise the Lord. Yes, I believe that God is able to do so. I'm like, Praise God, all right. And I said, Well, Grandpa, I said, do you believe that God desires to heal your body? And do you believe that God desires that you don't lose your leg? And he's like, oh, praise the Lord. Yes, I believe that God's desires for me to be healthy and whole and not lose my leg. I'm like, okay, we're making ground. And then I said, do you believe that if I pray for you right now, that God will heal you and you will not lose your leg? Got quiet. And then he said, that's where I'm struggling. I don't know if God will. So did you see that he had faith to a point? And that's where God is wanting us to get to. Not just to believe that he is able, but to believe that he is a rewarder of those who approach him and are willing to passionately seek his face. God, you said that you are the healer, therefore I need healing. And I'm not leaving until I receive. And I believe that the word is true. I believe in what you said. And therefore I'm going to receive in Jesus' name. But oftentimes we believe that he's able. We believe that he desires to, but the giant of fear talks you out of God being the rewarder. And oftentimes it's because of the pictures that you've allowed to be painted in your mind and the voice that you have given permission to talk, and therefore you struggle with receiving the reward because the giant hasn't been slain. Amen. So how do we slay the giant? We're going to wrap this up here in just a moment here. And we're going to continue next week in dealing with and addressing how we slay the giant. So real quickly here. To begin with in Psalms chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Psalms chapter 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight. Now listen to these, this last part. His delight is in the law or the word of the Lord and his law or in, in his law rather, meditates day and night be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season whose leaves also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Did you see what the formula was? The Bible says on the back end, it says you'll be rooted. It says you'll bear fruit in its season. And whatever you do shall prosper. But it was all contingent upon meditating on the word day and night. 
Now, what does that mean? Does that mean I can't live life? I just got to have my nose in the Bible? No, it means to be conscious and continually aware of what God has said to you. Because the storm is going to come day or night, and He's going to paint the picture, He's going to talk the talk, and you're going to have to remember what did He say on the shore when we got in the boat. And He said, we're going to the other side. And when the storm seems to get rough, He said, we're going to the other side. When the lightning and the thunder crashes and there's a tornado and a typhoon and a tsunami out in the the landscape of the horizon, I remember what he said, we're going to the other side. Amen. And the Bible says that if we will meditate, and again, there's more to that that we'll discuss, but he says we'll succeed. But now listen, let's break that down. He says that if we'll meditate on what God said. Now when he talks about the law, he's simply talking about his word. What did he talk to you about? What has he promised? What has he said? It says, when you meditate on it, it says, your roots are deep, planted by living water. What does that mean? It means that when the storm comes, you're locked in. You might sway and you might bobble, but you're not going over because there's deep roots. And it's rooted in what he said. I'm not going to be moved because I remember. Secondly, it says, there will be fruit in its season. What does that mean? That means that this word is working on your behalf out in front of you. Because the storm is coming next week, next month, next year. But when I begin to meditate on His Word now, when I begin to partake of in the quiet times, God, you're faithful. Your Word says, I believe what you say. It says that there will be fruit in its season, and there is going to be a season of storm, but God says, if you'll meditate on that Word, there will be fruit in that time. Well, what is the fruit that I need? I need comfort. I need peace. I need stability. I need faith. I need victory. I need a marriage restored. I need a a, a healing in my body, I I need my my needs met, uh, uh, the, the finances provided for, there will be fruit in its season when it's needed because I meditate on the Word. And then lastly it says that your leaves will not wither. Have you ever talked to those individuals where they act like they're fighting the good fight of faith? Well, brother and sister, let me just tell you, I'm just standing on the Word of God. I'm just believing Jesus of it all. It's such a hard, a hard battle to fight. I'm just barely getting by. Right? I'm just barely getting by. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm suffering for Jesus. Praise the Lord. So in other words, there's evidence of withering. Right? God says in the midst of a storm, in fact, uh, there was a, a hurricane that just hit down in Louisiana. If you see the trees, if you see the the, the leaves, if you see the, the, the landscape, it is weathered by the storm because it got hit. But the Bible says when you meditate on the Word and the storm blows through, not even the leaves will be withered, meaning there's not evidence that the storm ever touched your life because the Word got me through the storm. Amen. And whatever I do shall prosper. Amen. Now, we're just, let me finish up with this and we'll come back next week. Is that all right? So you might say, well, what's my instruction for this week? What are you telling me to do? Meditate on the Word. 
Just allow the Word to be a steady diet in your life. Put it on the radio. Replay the messages from church. Put the Bible on your phone and listen to it. Actually sit down and read it. What's it doing? It's building your faith. And when you do, you actually begin... Well, let me say it this way. When you read the Bible, the Bible is the only book that when you read it, you meet the author. Amen? So, when you read this, it's just like what we shared last week in Hebrews chapter 5. Let me read it again. This is from the Mirror Translation. Just so that it sticks within your mind. In Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 7, it says, when he faced, speaking of Jesus, when he faced the horrors of his, of his imminent death, he presented his plea to God in an outburst of agony, emotion, and with tears. He prayed with urgent intent to be delivered from death, knowing that God's power was saving him and that he enjoyed God's full attention. He had a firm grip on the prophetic word. And once again, let me remind you, the commentary says that Jesus did not cry out in fear, but cried out with expectation because he knew the word that had been spoken concerning him and knew that he would be risen from the dead. Now, verse 8 says this, Jesus being acquainted with sonship, he was in the habit of hearing from above. What he heard distanced him from the effect and what he had suffered. Verse 9. By his perfect hearing, he forever freed mankind to hear what he had heard. Let's stand. When you allow the Word of God to be meditated on, to be read, to be heard, you begin to hear what Jesus heard, that which caused him to have victory over the cross, death, hell, and the grave. He says, you begin to hear the same things, and you begin to walk in and receive the same victory that he did. So, when the thought and the picture and the voice that says, oh, you got a scratchy throat, that must be COVID. Shut up, devil. You're a liar. And I refuse to get into fear. I'm walking in divine health because of the blood of Jesus. When things don't seem to be going right with your marriage, shut up, devil. The picture that you start to paint, maybe the picture that you have of being single and alone and losing the house and losing the family or whatever it is, shut up, devil. God has the ability to fix the storms in my marriage, and therefore it's going to be restored in Jesus' name. Finances? Oh, so what? I lost my job. That wasn't the only job that there ever is. In fact, I've got favor with God, and so that means that God's only got a better job for me. I'm a tither and I'm a giver, and so therefore God says He'll open up the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing I don't have room enough to receive. So, devil, shut up. The better job's on the way. More money's coming. Bills are being paid. Oh, I'm getting out of this hole because God is faithful to His Word. Amen. 
Oh, my children, it don't seem like they're getting any better. Oh, no, as for me and my house, the Bible says we will serve the Lord. And my kids don't have a choice. They're going to follow God, fulfill the plan of God for their life. Devil, you're going to take your hands off my kids in Jesus' name. And so shut up. Amen. Amen. We're going to slay the giant of fear. And we're going to walk in victory. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for every person that's here. Every person that's listening and watching online, I thank you, Father, that we're entering into a new season, a season of victory, a season of growing, a season of rebuilding, a season of victory in our lives, in this church, in this region, and we are slaying the giant of fear. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And God, we're living our best life now in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, that's it. Do you feel the glory? Do you feel the filling? I know you do. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and come back next week for God to move on your behalf again. Want to know more? Check us out online and our social media, all from our website, gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.